Thank you for joining us for our weekly Calvary Church podcast. Please take a moment and visit InvernessCalvary.com to get connected with us. We want to know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you may do so online. Now prepare your heart for a word that we pray will bless your life. Well, hallelujah. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Calvary. If you're a guest or a visitor here, our, uh, our prayer for you is that you would experience the presence, the mercy, the love, and the grace of God along with us who call Calvary home. So, so excited that you're here visiting with us. Uh, I would ask you as a visitor, if you could, in the seat back in front of you is something called our connection card. If you would pull that out of the seat back, fill that out and drop it in the offering bucket as it goes by, just so we have record of your visit with us, that would be terrific. Also, if you have any questions, there's a place where you could check your corresponding box where you're interested in any of the ministries that we, we have here. Also, a place for your prayer requests and your praise reports. Listen, we have got some tremendous praise reports in um, one of a healing that is so significant, I mean, really, really significant. Um, we're, just, we're, we're just waiting on all of the details to unfold before we tell you about this one. And it, it's, it's powerful what God did in a moment in, uh, in his presence. And so, so excited about what God is doing here. If you do have a prayer request, jot it down. If you have a praise report, jot it down. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, also, a couple of announcements of things that are coming up that you need to know about. Make sure you have your uh, calendar of events uh, card. But a couple things I just want to bring to your attention. Life Groups launch January the 29th. Life Groups launch January 29th. And our goal is to have every single person a part of a life group. Directory is actually in the hallway today. You can see about the different groups that are available. There's also some different classes uh, that are launching. You'll hear about one of them in just, uh, in, in just a moment. Uh, but be a part of a life group. Real life change happens within the context of relationship. Everything that God was doing from the very beginning was all about family. And we as a church want to be a family. And uh, we want to reflect uh, God's heart. You know, Sunday morning, it's a, it's a corporate experience. And many times it, it, it's hard to get to know somebody on a very personal level on a Sunday morning. But there are people that, that God wants you connected to. Uh, and, and I'm sure that the Holy Spirit will lead you. Just make sure that you're uh, checking out those life groups. They meet on various days throughout the week. It's just a way of encouraging you, sharpening you, and growing you in your walk with God. Make sure uh, that you, you can either check that out in the lobby or online. Also, coming up, we have something that we've been doing here for years called Missions Emphasis Week. Missions Emphasis Week. And uh, it, is, it begins on February 5th. February 5th. And on that day, we're going to have Ameth Amethyst Roth here and her pastor from the Congo. And she's going to be sharing that day. And you don't, uh, they're, they're going to be sharing. You don't want to miss that day. It is during this time that we really... Uh, focus on global missions. We as a church have had a deep commitment to making an impact both 
here locally and globally. So uh, we want you guys to be a part of everything that's going on at Missions Emphasis Week. So come uh, Sunday, February the 5th, and then the following Friday, we're having our Missions Banquet. Uh, the Missions Banquet, uh, we have a special guest, one of the, the most amazing missionaries that I have personally uh, ever come into contact with. Um, through his ministry, he's feeding over 6,000 people, 6,000 people. He is tutoring uh, children um, uh, who are just growing up, uh, many of them without running water, uh, uh, they, they don't have electricity in their homes. Uh, he clothes them. He gives them backpacks. He, he, he's doing everything, and he's doing it in the Ocala National Forest. That's right down the street. And his name is Dave Houck. He has, uh, the, the Lord has opened uh, that community to him, and he's opened his heart as well. He's proven it. I think he's, he's now adopted about 10 children out of the forest where where prostitutes have just said, will you raise my son? And he just adopts them. Saw a beautiful picture of his family. Anyway, so that Friday night, he is coming here, and you do not want to miss their story and how God has moved their heart for missions. He's a nationally appointed Assembly of God missionary to the Ocala National Forest. Not only that, he is pastoring a church of just, it, it, he's got the wildest stories of his church. They're mostly uh, bikers, and some of them are left over from the bar, that, which is really close, you know, the night, the night before. He has got the, the neatest ministry, and God is really, really moving. So you want to hear from his perspective, uh, God's heart for missions. I say all that to say this. You can sign up for the missions banquet today. You can also sign up online. It's $10 a ticket. It is going to be exceptional food, and we're going to have a great night right here in the sanctuary on Friday. Uh, that is February the 10th, Friday, February the 10th. So make sure that you register online or in the lobby today just after this service. Also on February the 5th, um, uh, we're, I'm actually launching a brand new uh, class that I'm going to be doing quarterly called Starting Point. Uh, there are a lot of new faces around here. Uh, anybody uh, been here at Calvary uh, longer than five years? Anybody longer than five years? Awesome. Awesome. Well, that means that there are a lot of people. Uh, any, any one of you people look around and like in the last six months and you go, who are all these people here? Who are all these people? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you feel like you're not, you're not connected. And so if you're new here to Calvary, we actually wanted to uh, do a lunch and um, offer you an opportunity to get to know us and our staff a little better. It's called Starting Point. It's where you'll hear about the ministry that's going on here at Calvary, our values, not only the what's, but the why we do things, what we're doing. And there's also uh, a doorway to membership. So many of you who have been here for a while, you're saying, hey, I wonder how I can become a member here at Calvary. And what the expectations are connected to that. We share all of that in starting point. But we believe that, that if we're going to be a church 
that makes a dramatic impact on this community, then we just need to share who we are. And God will draw the people that, that he has called to run with us as we pursue that vision and that call. I know that he will. He's already doing it. Many of you are, are brand new here. You're welcome here. But let's link arms and let's run together. Sign up for a starting point. You can do that through your connection card or you could do that online as well. There will be a lunch provided on the 5th. It's at 1230 just after the second service. So if you're interested in that, we'd love to have you uh, be a part of that. Well, I'm really excited today um, that during our offering time, I get to do something uh, that you know, we don't, we don't get to do all of the time, but I do want to, to do it. Is there, are there any of the men who are going on the Honduras trip in the room? If you are, just kind of wave at me, wave at me. They most, most of them were in the, uh, the, the first service. Where, I see, I see Carrie, but I don't see Walt. So where is he? Is he back there? He's back there. Oh, he didn't make it today. Okay. Well, uh, anyway, so there's, there's several men that are going to Honduras, and I just want to I just want to let you know that they leave this Friday, and um, they are going to literally establish a church which has been unfinished in Honduras for years. We were down in Honduras, I believe it was in two thousand seven, six, seven, and. Um, uh, we walked by this unfinished church a long time ago, and it's just been unfinished for a while. And one of the things that Nathan asked that we would do as a church would be to raise some funds so that uh, they could have uh, the supplies to finish that church. Uh, but what he asked us to do is he says, but I don't want you guys to do it all. You're actually going to partner with the people of that church who are going to put in about $1,000. And then um, also, oh, Rita's going on the trip. Yeah, I'm going to pray over Rita. You're going to be the one that I pray over as the trip. Um, um, and uh, he asked that we would match that $1,000. And here's, here's what you need to understand. The church stands as a beacon of hope to the world. It's not the buildings, it's the people. The church stands as a beacon of hope. You know, uh, Dan uh, sent me a message. He's already down there and doing ministry. Uh, he heard uh, about a terrible accident that happened on the river down there where a mother was traveling with three of her children. The boat capsized and two of them drowned. And Dan as the light of the world, as the hope sent from right here, when he heard about it, he said, I've got to go there. I've got to go there and show them that God loves them. In the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this despair, they need to know God loves them. And so that's what's happening. That church will stand completed as a beacon of hope to that community. That building is just the place where believers can gather and worship the one who created it all. I'm going to ask you, Calvary, that today you would ask the Holy Spirit. Don't take it from your pastor. Don't take it from, 
from me or from anyone else. Take your lead from the Holy Spirit and ask him, God, what would you have me to do? Here's what I know. I know God is going to totally meet this need. I know he is. He's already, he, he just, he, I, I feel like he gave me that impression that he's going to meet this need. But he does that through people who are obedient. If the Lord doesn't speak to you about giving into this, then don't. But if he does, just listen. Um, come here, Rita. Do you mind? As we, uh, Rita's going down there. Uh, she was, she just is a last second add on because every team needs a mama. <laughs> Amen. You have no idea on the mission field how much of a gift that is. Uh, plus, she gets to be with her son and her grandchildren, and uh, I'm sure she's going to be an extreme blessing down there. So we're going to pray for their team, and we're going to pray. Um, ushers, just get ready to receive the offering at the end of this prayer. Um, we're just going to pray over them. And I, I want to ask you to do something over the next two weeks. Would you hold the other end of the rope for this team? Would you lift up a prayer for them daily? Would you ask for God's protection? Would you ask for God to open doors of ministry to them, even as they're doing the practical of building the church? I believe God wants to do something supernatural at the preaching of the gospel. I know that he'll do that. Father, I thank you, Lord, today that, Lord, as you've prepared this team to go to Honduras, God, you've been making them ready for this moment. I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to anoint every single one of them in a brand new way. God, that you would pour out your spirit on every single one. God, for every person who is going to be building. Uh, God, I pray a special grace, God, would come upon them, Lord, to do it well, to do it with excellence. I pray, that, Lord, that every single one of the building supplies, God, would just uh, would be there, everything that they need. I pray it would be such a blessing, God, to that community. And moreover, God, would you put words in their mouth to proclaim the gospel to the people around that region, God. Father, may they be an encouragement, Lord, to those people who see the building, God. May they be an encouragement to Nathan and Rebecca, God, and to their family, God. May, Lord, your handiwork be clearly seen at the sacrifice of these who will go. God, protect them on every side. Be their shield and buckler. See them through, and may they complete the task, God, that you are sending them to do. Lord, we bless them today as we give to this trip. And God, today it's with a glad heart, Lord, that we return the tithe to you. We give that to you. It belongs to you. And God, we give to world missions, God, and we give to benevolence, Lord, with a glad heart. And we just have one request. Turn every dollar into a soul, God. Every dollar given, God, turn it into a soul, a life that is changed for the glory of God, in Jesus' name. Can Amen. Sure. So, dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you would watch over the wives and the children of each of these men who are going, Father. Um, I pray hedge of protection around them, in Jesus' name, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise up against them in the spiritual realm as well as in the physical realm, we condemn right now. 
for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness revealed. We thank you that you hear the prayer of the righteous and the ears open to hear a prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing in a series today called What's Next? Navigating Transition. What's Next? Navigating Transition. There's been a scripture that's really been ministering to me and to our church uh, over the past few months. It's from 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it's from this that the very basis for the sermon kind of leapt off the page and God began to speak to me. It was, it's this, but we all with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It says that you and I are in this mirror, in this mirror of time and we are beholding Christ. And it says this, that we are being transformed from glory to glory. And God began to speak to me that there is a glory that we are to be from. I would describe this as your salvation experience. When you first place your faith and belief in what Jesus did for us on the cross through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The Bible says if you believe that in your heart and you confess that with your mouth, you will be saved. And that is glorious. Can I get an amen? But there is a glory that you are to move on from and to. We are to actually move from glory to glory. This actually is saying that there is a transition that is taking place in all of our lives as we become more and more like Christ. There is a transition that's taking place in all of our lives as we are transformed, looking more and more like Christ every day. Now, transition is the process that God uses between promise and fulfillment. Many of us have promises from God, an idea, a vision, uh, maybe a spoken word, maybe something uh, prophetic was spoken over you. You know that this is the reason why you were created. This was the purpose that you were designed for, and now you're maybe you're still pursuing it. Maybe it hasn't come all the way to pass. Well, where you find yourself, the position between promise and fulfillment is called transition. And I believe God wants to teach us as a people how to transition well. How to navigate transition. Have you ever made this statement? 
I don't know what to do. Usually it's said in a moment of frustration, I don't know what to do. There is something kind of paralyzing about that statement, isn't it? You almost say that standing completely still. I don't know what to do. We throw up our hands. Could be in a relationship. Could be on a job. We say, I don't know what to do. But the good news is, is that today God's going to speak to you something that you are to do when you don't know what to do. God has not created you to live in a perpetual moment of, I don't know what to do. We talked about last week how God has actually created you to actually receive a vision, and from that vision, values flow. And from that value, from that value system, you can actually write out a life mission statement, and then from that mission statement, write down some goals that are connected to the, to the vision, and then begin to set about the task of living for the vision that God has for your life. You say, you just gave me a mouthful. Well, Go back and listen to the sermon on InvernessCalvary.com. Subscribe to the podcast and listen to those principles about how to receive vision from God and how to live by it. I hope many of you are in that process right now of asking God, God, what is your vision for my life in this season of my life? And then when he gives it, write it down. So when you don't know what to do, it's a little bit paralyzing, but there are things that God has given us to do when we don't know what to do. And today we're going to look at a passage from Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Or if you have your phone, you can click there or your iPad. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. A little bit of backstory on the book of Ezra. Uh, Ezra has been given this assignment from God to rebuild the temple that, that was destroyed. And uh, Ezra gets permission uh, from, from a king, goes and starts to rebuild uh, the temple, goes and starts to rebuild Jerusalem. Some of the enemies hear about it and start to push back against him. Uh, there's a change of, of governmental leadership in the book of Ezra. And so uh, now uh, the, the king that gave him permission isn't in control anymore. And now there's a new government in place. And there's all kinds of transitioning going on. But God had this vision for Ezra to complete this task of, of rebuilding the temple and bringing it into the service of, of, of God's people. And finally, he gets a breakthrough after, after suffering some setbacks, and they rebuild the temple. The scriptures say that on the day that the foundations were laid, there were tears heard and laughter heard. The young people were laughing and celebrating, and the old, the old they, were, they were actually crying. You say, what? That's a weird scripture. Um, you know, here's the thing. The young celebrate the move of God in their generation, and many times the old cry over what God did decades before. And they weep because they're like, oh God, you're beginning to do it again. And so here Ezra now has been granted um, everything that he needs to bring the temple into service. However, now he has to carry some things that belong in the temple to the temple. And the way 
is dangerous. And this is where, where we will peer into the scriptures together. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. It says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before the Lord to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. For as I was ashamed to request of the king an escort of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy on the road because we had spoken to the king saying, the hand of our God is upon all those for good who seek him, but his power and his wrath are against all those who forsake him. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. Do you realize why Ezra is in this situation? He's, he's made a bold statement of faith to a king that doesn't necessarily believe in his God. Has God ever, ever asked you to make a bold uh, statement of faith, to take a stand in faith to say something, you know, that God, you know, it's like, oh God, are you sure you want me to say that? Are you sure you want me to do that? And you say it. And then afterwards you're going, oh, I shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have said it. What am I doing? I should, I, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have reached out that way. I shouldn't have done that. And you find yourself like Ezra going, okay, God, I said it. <laughs> now you got to come and fix this. Actually, what Ezra declared was the truth. Ezra, what Ezra declared was the absolute truth. But Ezra and the people with him needed the faith to walk in it. And I believe what God has declared over your life is the absolute truth. The promises given to you, it's the absolute truth. But you and I, we need the faith to walk in it. And God has given us some tools so that we can navigate transition. Transitioning self, uh, successfully requires using navigational tools that God has ordained. Let me say that again. Transitioning successfully requires using, using navigational tools that God has ordained. Today, I have up here, I grabbed this off of my outdoor pack. It's usually clipped on there. It never leaves that bag because when I go out into the woods or into a swamp, I always take this with me. This is a handheld GPS made by Garmin, GPS map, uh, map 62S, external, uh, external antenna. That way I can get some re reception when I am deep under the cover of trees. How this works is that, that this actually receives a signal from satellites in space and can identify where I am sometimes down to about 10 to 15 feet. This actually, uh, years ago, uh, they would not release this to the public. This was for military purposes only. But now, it's so crazy, white boys don't get lost in the woods. Or other things, whatever the adventure in you uh, calls for. But I want to say this to you. This handheld GPS is no good to me unless I know where I want to go. I could turn it on and it will only tell me where I am. 
it's only good to me if I know where I want to go. And did you know that God has given us some tools to navigate life and to navigate transition? He's given us some tools, but they're only good if you know where you want to go and you begin to know where you want to go and what you want to do when God releases a vision into your life. God has given us tools to navigate transition, that space between promise and fulfillment. And God's navigational tools are actually revealed right here in these, 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 these short scriptures. And the first one is this, fasting. It's fasting. Right now as a church, we're on a a corporate 14-day fast where we are in some way fasting and seeking God for direction. Now the word fast literally in Hebrew means this. It means to cover the mouth. So some of you who said, okay, yeah, I heard about that corporate fast and I just decided I'm just not going to cuss for the next two weeks. Um, uh, no, that's sin. Let no evil speech depart from your mouth. Okay, no, that's sin. Uh, you started fasting sin as soon as you got born again. That is a continuous fast until you go to be in heaven with Jesus forever. I know sometimes you break that fast on accident or sometimes willfully and you get back into sin, but that's not a fast. You deciding not to sin or not to do something sinful for two weeks is not a good idea. That is not a fast. Fasting is where you say, God, I'm actually going to push away from something that's good because I want something better. Fasting literally means to cover the mouth. Well, why fast? Why fast? I mean, I know that's a real question for many people. Why should we fast? Well, a couple of those reasons are actually revealed in this passage. The first uh, answer to the why in this is not actually answered with a specific reason. It's actually answered with a where. It says that we fasted at the river Ahava. The river Ahava. Now that word Ahava, it, it, it comes from two, two different words, two different roots in Hebrew. And uh, it, it basically is the Hebrew word for love. And, and, and the first part of that root word, it actually means to give. It, it's, it's an action. It means to give. Um, the second part of that, that word Ahava, H-A-V-A actually means a place of nourishment in the way that when you love somebody, you give and you nourish them and you take care of them. So Ezra goes down to a place called love to be nourished and strengthened when he needed something from God. And what he went to that place to receive and how he went to that place was through fasting. 
fasting. Fasting is actually nourishment to your soul. Ezra's fast was saying to God, we offer ourselves completely to you. It is here we are strengthened. And I know that what most of you think. You know, I tried fasting. It didn't make me feel strengthened. It made me feel weak. I understand that. When I fast, it hurts right here. But there is a nourishment that comes. And here's the reason why. God is attracted to weakness. God is attracted to weakness. Uh, the Apostle Paul started to, to reveal this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, when, when he was dealing what was called a thorn in his flesh. And many people have argued about what that thorn was. And I won't argue about that with you. Whatever it was, God allowed it to, to, to come to pass. But this is what God said to him as he was seeking the Lord. He said, and he, God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength, my strength, God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. There is something that God is attracted to when we say, God, I am just going to fast. I don't care how weak I feel, because when I'm weak, you'll show yourself strong. I know it's countercultural. I know everything in you has said, no, I need three meals a day. You do, but you also need some time where your spirit will be strengthened, where you actually say to your flesh, because your flesh says, get up and go to the fridge, and most of the time we just go along with it. It's in that moment of fasting that we say, God, even my flesh is going to submit and be nourished by what will strengthen me, even if it makes my flesh weak. And it will. You'll feel weak. You may have to take an extra nap. You may say, man, what is it all about? It's God longing to fill weak vessels with his power so that when you and I go out into this community, People don't say, wow, Brian is really awesome. They say, Jesus is awesome. It's having a treasure in an earthen vessel. It says, man, we, we're so weak, but that God in them is so strong. We fast because that's the place of nourishment. The second reason for fasting was humility. Ezra says, so we humbled ourselves before the Lord. You could write this down. Obedient fasting is God's highway to humility. Obedient fasting is God's highway to humility. Um, uh, I, 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 will say, I will say this uh, about fasting. You know, early on when you begin to fast, 
you will actually realize all of the things that you have been covering up with food. Like, you, you know, normally you're a, just this super nice person, you know, and people would say, oh, they're so full of the Spirit, but you start fasting and they realize it wasn't God's Spirit, it was just a sugar high. He'd be covering all this stuff up with food that God's been wanting to reach in and take out. Cause us to rely on him. Obedient fasting, that means when God calls you to fast, it is a highway to humility. In Psalm 35, when the, the psalmist says, says, says these words, when, when his enemy was troubled, he says, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. And listen to this, I humbled myself with fasting. It says, and my prayer would return to my own heart. He was saying, listen, I tried everything when my enemy was going through something. And then he goes on to say, he's saying, listen, they're coming against me, and there's no mercy in them. But you can see, I humbled myself with fasting. You see here, he's saying, listen, the way to humble yourself is fasting. You say, well, I don't really like fasting. Is there any other way to get humility? Suffering. I would go with fasting. I would go with fasting. I would say, Lord, I'm going to humble myself. And fasting says, God, I want to be humble. Well, why was Ezra so mesmerized with the fact that these people who were on their way to complete God's tasks needed humility? Why did they need humility? Because God knows the proud from afar. But the humble, James says, he gives more grace to. It's more of his divine love, more of his divine empowerment. The humble God is attracted to. Let me say it this way, and you'll understand it more clearly as it pertains to navigating transition. Psalm chapter 25 puts it this way, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. The very thing that Ezra needed would be given by God if all of the people would be humble. And many of you today are seeking God's direction and you've not yet maybe jumped in uh, on that idea of fasting and you're still seeking God. What do you want me to do? Nothing wrong with seeking God's direction. I would just add that if you will get the humility that fasting produces, God will show up and guide you. God will show up and teach you his way. Ezra said, we need humility. Because if we're humble, God will guide. Fasting, which leads to humility, leads to direction. Fasting, which leads to humility, leads to direction. It's a navigational tool that God has given to us as his children. The second is prayer. And while these, these, these topics, they, they may seem very simple, you need to understand 
how crucial they are if you and I are going to answer God's call upon our life. Prayer is that second, that second navigational tool. It says this, that they, to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Here, because of the presence of enemies, Ezra prayed. Well, what was he praying for? The right way. He's saying, God, we need to know the right way. There are all kinds of choices. I believe our young people right now are, 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 are faced uh, with more choices than ever. You know, it, was, it wasn't that long ago that, our, that we, we, we didn't even really carry phones. We had a little beeper. And we would get the beep and make sure we had a little bit of change in our pocket because we had to find a pay phone. We'd rub it off because we knew there were some germs on there. Now our kids carry around with them all of the entertainment they could ever want because they know your password to your cable or your satellite, and it connects to the Internet, and they can watch 180 or 250 channels right on their phone. They have all kinds of options. If they choose rightly, they could change the world from here. And there is a 